This is Strange Assembly, episode 274, Theros Beyond Death. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Mike Cook. Yep. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. We are here today to talk about Theros Beyond Death. It's pre-release weekend for the newest Magic set. This is not a Magic podcast, so if you're here for insightful, high-level tournament tips, you're really at the wrong place. But Mike plays Magic, and I have, as you may recall, have been playing Magic again since last year because the kids are all into it. So we wanted to just sort of talk about the set and what we thought about the set and what we liked about the set and cool cards from a, I don't know, I, I think I am firmly in the kitchen table realm now. Although, of course, actually playing with magic cards on the kitchen table is discouraged because you can't have food and magic cards together. That doesn't work. I mean, they don't taste great. <laughs> yes. Does it, not, it doesn't help either the food or the magic cards when you mix them. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, we, we have a game table in a game room in my house. Thank you very much. That's where the magic cards go. <laughs> so, Theros Beyond Death is the, I guess, second of what seems like four let's take a breather from big overarching story sets. Right, we we had the War of the Spark that had the big conclusion to this years long Gatewatch storyline, and now we've got these one shots in the different locations. We've got Eldraine, and then we've got Theros, and then we've got uh, what is it, Ikoria, and then a single Zendikar set. Yeah, the corset before that. There was corset twenty twenty, and then there will be corset twenty twenty one. All those those are I don't know, those are semi. Story. I mean, there isn't really story no, in Corset it, it, 2020. I guess Corset 2019 did the whole Nicol Bolas theme, but... Right. Well, in 2021, does Teferi. Ah, I, I did not know that. There you yep. go. Everybody was like, really? Teferi's <laughs> <laughs> a, a very good card. People generally really, really like him as, like, a character. Nobody likes those cards. Well, people like those cards. Nobody likes playing against those cards. Yes. Teferi is the sort of card, and you're like, this is great when I have it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to do stuff on my turn? Nope, can't do it. <laughs> but, well, Teferi is a character who the character has history, but also like, has existed through a lot of history, so that, which is actually something we can talk about with sagas here, so I like that notion because it may revisit stuff about magic that I I like. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, but Theros Beyond Death, right? So we're we're coming back to Theros. This is the first time we've been, you know, in a full set way in Theros since the original Theros block. And the overall story of this set is essentially about Elspeth now feuding with multiple gods, basically. She got done wrong by Heliod, and she's back to get him. And also, Clothis, the former sort of god of the dead god of destiny i guess is now uh, mad at her too i don't <laughs> well i don't think she's dead she just went into the underworld like the deep underworld to help protect it 
uh, or, or to help guide it. And she came out because of all the things escaping. Which I think she's still stuck in the underworld. Like she, right? Yeah. So okay, she's not dead, but she's in the underworld. Unlike Elspeth, who is both dead and in the underworld. That's why he made the. Uh, that's why he made the new planeswalker to go after her. Yeah, the new planeswalker, Calix. So, Theros is enchantment land again. So you've got enchantment creatures, and you've got constellation things that trigger when enchantments come into play, and things that count how many enchantments that you have, and just a bunch of stuff about enchantments. You have the usual sort of shenanigans with, well, this thing that would normally be an instant, we're going to make it an enchantment with Flash. Like the Omen Cycle. It's We're not going to yep. print Shock. We're going to print Omen of Fire or whatever it is. Which, one of the upsides of this, I, I think, is that the uh, enchantment creature border with the stars and then the art, they use the stars a lot to show things that are like of the gods. Yep. Those do really well in foil, I think. You, I'm assuming you've seen them on Arena, just like one of the enchantment border cards. I've opened some Theros on Arena, but I have not played it because on Magic Arena, I only use my gems to get the Mastery Pass and then try to earn enough gems to be able to buy the next Mastery Pass. And and right now, the sealed decks are only gems, so I haven't really played Theros on Arena. Does it have some nifty effect? Oh, when you pull up any of the enchantment border, like the Starfield border cards, the Starfield borders like kind of move and glitter. Nice. It, it's so funny because I watched so many of the. They had that preview day with all the streamers, and all the streamers would like start talking about the decks they had made or whatever, and then they would all stop and like, "Wait, is this moving? This looks awesome." Because <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a subtle effect, but once you see it, it it's really cool. One of the other things they do. This is the. The second appearance of sagas, right? The enchantments that do something when they come into play and then do something over successive turns. And then they represent, you know, history or stories. And this is the one I was talking about. Like, I like the sagas, but I have to admit, I did like the sagas better in Dominaria because they were, many of them were about things that I already knew. Right. So here it's like, what are the sagas that I, I immediately like the best? Oh, Kiora Best the Sea God, because that's like a quote-unquote historical event that I actually know about, or stuff about Elspeth, because that's a character I know. Although maybe this will be a way to, like, sort of remember or get into the the history of Theros in particular a bit more. Most of them are pretty, I, I think, are pretty good, because there's, like, there's two about Elspeth. There's one about Timurit calling the dead, which is, like, a current event type thing. Yes. There's one about the founding of the city, Miletus. Yeah, birth of Miletus. Then there's the first Ironian Games, which is, you know, essentially the Olympics, because the last one gives you a gold. Yes. <laughs> then there's one that's like the triumph of something that, like, gives things plus X plus O, where X is equal to the number of counters on it, and then the last one is, like, something fights something else. I guess that's supposed to be kind of like a Hercules type of thing, because he's, like, going to do the challenges or whatever. That one's very weird. Like, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to be showing off. I don't really like that one. There's, But then there's the other one where, besides the Kiora one, there's the other one where you, like, scry to, then you name a card, then you have, if you play that card, you draw two cards, and you get to look at the top cards of each, because it, it's like the prophecy. I really like the, the idea behind that card. However, I have also seen two different opponents mess it up and try to play the card the turn they named the card when you need to do it the turn after you name the card. 
Yeah, the red card is the Triumph of Anax, and yeah, he actually is also a, a card in the set, too, and he was the, is it Anax and Semede, maybe? I mean, he there, there was a card before that was him and his spouse as one, right. one card, and he's the demigod chosen by the, the red god. The gods are fighting each other, and each of them has chosen a champion, so each of the colors has a, a monocolor god and the monocolor demigod but demigod. i'm not sure who exactly anax is supposed to be based on i don't know if they're like is anax just like sparta right because that's kind of the there's some analogs to the real world things there but but yeah they're they're definitely and this is good they're definitely doing some different sorts of things with the sagas in this set and one of them is that there's just four turn sagas if that matters Right, but just a variety of stuff. But yeah, and there's even I think there's even two Elspeth sagas because there's Elspeth yep. triumphs over death. Spoiler alert! Guess who? Guess who wins in the end? <laughs> and then there's the uh, like the Elspeth's nightmares one, which actually is the that that is the one little bit that I uh, that I saw at least. Maybe there's other things that I haven't picked up on. That's in the story of this that kind of presages future events is that you see in the trailer right Ashiok messing with Elspeth's head and that's important for the story of this set and that it kickstarts things off Elspeth is able to pull a dream version of Heliod's spear Heliod is the white sun god and she's able to pull like a nightmare version of his spear out of her dreams and then goes to town with it and that is a card in the set by the way it looks pretty good yep but she is able to do that because ashiok planes walks away and ashiok planes walks away because while he's rooting around in elspeth's memories he learns about the phyrexians and then planes walks right. away to go see if he can find Phyrexians. So, guess who's going to come back at some point in the near, in the not too distant future? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, and also, people were saying when uh, she got because she's holding the spear in her art in her uh, planeswalker and Elspeth's planeswalker card. People were saying it looked a lot like Phyrexian oil that was dripping off the spear. Uh, it, it's got the same like sticky tariness to it. I see that there hasn't been anything else I've seen in the story that indicates that it's. Phyrexian oil rather than just evil drippiness. But yeah, that would well, be that I mean that could be maybe that that would be kind of funny if Ashiok planes walked away from Theros to find Phyrexians. Meanwhile, Elspeth was dripping Phyrexian oil all over the place. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it actually is Phyrexian oil, right? The, the whole thing is which I didn't realize is that she's from Phyrexia. So or is it from Phyrexia? She she know, she had the Phyrexians in the past. She knew about them. So my guess is, right, it's like a dream, so of course something that she fears or hates or whatever is probably going to be covered in Phyrexian oil, which is very deadly. So my guess is that it's not actually Phyrexian oil, but just has that look because of her memories. Like, I don't think it'll actually function as Phyrexian oil, or it already would have, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, it could... It's one of those things where, like, okay, if two years from now they go back and say, guess what? Elspeth infected Theros, I guess... You know, we'll look at that and be like, okay, I see what you meant. But it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. immediately make me think that that's what's going on. 
and I think people just knew she had that connection to Phyrexia, so people kind of figured it would might be Phyrexian oil. She's had some, well, I'll say not, I think, fairly unsuccessful <laughs> conflict with yeah. the Phyrexians in the past, although that's true for most anyone who's had conflict with the Phyrexians, right? Mm-hmm. So they have the whole collector's edition packs and the showcase cards in this and, you know, all their quote-unquote booster fun stuff. I can't really say that the I mean, unless you just really like the things, it's hard to say that the collector's packs are, like, a good value or something like that, but I do like the showcase cards for Theros much more than I liked the showcase cards for Throne of Eldraine, and this is the special alternate borders for whatever the thing it is that you're highlighting. It was all the adventure cards for Throne of Eldraine. Here, it's like the gods and the demigods have those, but the Throne of Eldraine adventure frames were very busy to me. Those That's already a relatively busy frame, because you've got like the separate little card in the text box, and then adding all the vines and stuff going everywhere, but these, the showcase gods and demigods, they're enchantment creatures, so they've already got that going on for them, and then they're like constellations like like you can like see the alternate art with like the the stars and the lines between the stars drawn out and i really like those frames in that presentation i am the opposite actually <laughs> because i like the alternate art for both i think the constellations is a really neat effect and like a nice callback to you know where a lot of this stuff is coming from but i i don't like the dark text box it, you know it's the same thing they've done with fnm promos which is kind of nice because I haven't had to go chase promos because I don't like that style. But I actually really like the showcase styles for Eldraine because at least half of the adventure creatures are actually playable. And then I, I just really like the style of the frames. And also, the artwork tends to be much more like storybook. So I, I just really, really like that style. Well, also, I would say the alternate art, but the alternate art for Theros, for like the Planeswalkers, like the full border alt art that stuff looks really cool because it looks like not exactly a statue but like a carving they're really really pretty yeah yeah they're definitely worth getting yeah that's that's right they had the the alternate art for the eldraine ones too and yeah but the alternate art for the eldraine was just like like uh, uh oko was sitting in a different position oh that one in particular was yeah i but i think for eldraine for both the planeswalkers and almost all of the showcase cards i was just like i just like the normal art better than this it's not like there's an objective right or wrong. It's just like, do you right. stylistically like the normal style art or the showcase style art? Well, and it's kind of good, right? Because like, if we actually still live close to each other, we could actually trade each other for the stuff we wanted, right? <laughs> you take the what? You take this? What is this vine goofy storybook picture stuff? Take them, please. Ah, <laughs> I want to say I don't. I mean, there was one like maybe Merfolk Secret Keeper. Is that the one that mm -hmm. I thought? I'm like, okay, that one I like the showcase frame, better, you know, the art better. Well, and I, I like the original art as well on all of them. I just like the more storybook look, just because, you know, magic tends to have some of the best art in the industry, right? But also, it can sometimes get a little samey, so just having, like, a different thing, a different look is kind of nice. The other different look thing in here, and you get two of these in every collector's booster... Although I think you can get them in normal packs too, are the Nyx basic lands? Uh, the Nyx basic lands you get one in every pack. Oh, you do? 
Okay, it's every yeah. single one. That's 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 the land in the pack. Oh, that's great. I didn't see. I saw there. So I'm sitting here like my pre-release is going to be. I go to the pre-release with my nine-year-old, so that works best when we go to one of the two-headed giant pre-releases. Right. And those haven't happened yet here. So because I saw that there were other, there are more normal-looking basic lands. Maybe those are are those just in like the Planeswalker decks or. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because I mean, when you whenever you open the packs, those are all the Starfield. I think there's foil ones, the collectors. Yes, you get two of them in the collectors boosters. Those are insanely good looking. I mean, those are yeah, they're amazing. I'm glad that there's one in every single one because my kids are like, you have to get like all of those, and I'm like, I I don't know, I'll be able to get you like twenty of every single one of these lands, or you know, be willing to, but. Because there's one per pack, they'll probably be pretty prevalent. Because it's not like it's not like unstable where you kind of want it, but you kind of like the cards have no value after you open them. So people are just not going to open that many packs of it. Like people are definitely going to open packs of this because it's a it's a fairly powerful set. So they're just extremely pretty looking. Oh, it's funny too because like right, Corset 2020, which was two sets ago. Oh, was it Quartz of 2020 or was it Eldrin where they introduced the new, to- like, full border tokens that looked, like, really gorgeous? I think it was the 2020 Corset, yeah. That's what I thought. And then this one, they introduced these new full art lands, which are, like, gorgeous. And I'm like, this is a great way to get people to actually open packs that's, like, you know, it's not super monetary value or anything. People just really like this stuff. Like, it's really nice to have those new tokens. It's really nice to have the new lands. And, like, I-, I really like that they add these to the packs. So now there are theme booster only rares. I am not a fan of that. Yeah, it seems weird. Only a couple of them seem really playable outside of anything that's like super kitchen table magic. But yeah, it's it's a weird choice. Yeah, I just... Theme boosters are things we have never got because, I mean, obviously there's a market for them. But when I look at them, I'm like, wait a minute. This is like buying two packs, but with only one rare. What? What? No. Why would I do that? That's terrible. I- and they've been doing them for a while because I bought a couple not quite realizing what they were. And I'm like, you know, if you're doing, like I said, real kitchen table magic and you want red, white or whatever, and, you know, you just want red, white cards, the Boros booster is not a bad deal because you get like half a deck that's like not great, but, you know, playable in one of those boosters. So it's it's not a terrible deal in that case, but, you know, it's not, like, monetarily ever going to be a great deal. I mean, I think theoretically, right, you could take a theme booster, add basic lands, and you have a deck. Right. I mean, it's not going to be good, but that's not, I mean, that's it's also Playable. a booster. I mean, come on, you know? Uh, and I think less than a theme deck still. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are, what, seven bucks, maybe? I mean, it depends on where you buy them. Right. But, yeah, it's like, now there's things that are only available in those. I'm like, uh... It's kind of like, I, I'm i just assuming that, you know, the stores are going to now crack those, and so hopefully anything that's interesting in there. I don't really chase things of value. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to buy a singles, it's because like, oh, that's not very good as a card, but I love the art, so I can buy it for like 50 cents. Let's get that. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. I uh, know that feeling. So, <laughs> like, oh, Victory's Envoy. Oh, maybe I'll pick one of you up at some point. <laughs> Let's see. But yeah, it does go to art. I do look at art a lot now. So I, I will say my, I think my, other than the Nyx lands, which are kind of stupendous, what some of 
like idyllic tutor with the the big god hand reaching out of the sky. I really liked the art on that. I liked memory drain because I apparently have this thing for cards that depict like really close up images of people's eyes with like an image in the eye. <laughs> okay. Apparently there's that's a thing that they do. It comes up repeatedly on, on like just depictions of when you're messing with someone's mind or you're having someone like see doom in the future or it, you know this one's yeah. I don't know it's countering a spell and letting you scry I'm not sure what that has to do with memory drain but whatever and then of course the Nyx Lotus because why not <laughs> if we can't get like a really good land a reprint of the really good land I should say you have to wait for, a, I think, a commander deck or something to hope that they reprint the $20 land or a Secret Lair drop series. Which there's a lot of coming up next year. There is a lot of that coming up here. And they just announced the next drop series. It's rats. Yep. <laughs> it actually looks like a pretty nice set. Like, And there's some pretty decent value. Of course, still kind of stinks for the uh, you know FLGSs, but... Now, they did, yeah, they didn't reprint the Nick's related land that was good, but they are completing the temple cycle, because I have to tell you, I, I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal, but I, so much more, if I'm going to have to put a land into play tapped, I like Scry 1 so much better than Gain 1 Life. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a reason one's rare and one's common, right? I know, I know. So, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy to have the allied color temples join the party. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's pretty nice. It, it's funny, too, because, you know, a lot of people just don't like tap lands, and understandably so, but, like, man, I've gotten a lot of value off that scry. <laughs> like, that scry can be pretty good sometimes. Yeah, well, I don't like the tap lands, but it, it's also another one of those things that, that comes up, like, so, which is cheaper, Temple of Deceit or, you know, Polluted Delta? <laughs> it's not yeah, a- <laughs> well, because, especially now that they've gotten reprinted, I think most of the rare temples are like a dollar or two like it, they're not a whole lot which is kind of nice if you want to build a, a you know a fairly budget deck and have some nice uh dual lanes or, or and it's it's another decent option if you're doing like you mentioned commander right if you're right. building out a commander deck and you just need every single multicolor land you can get your hands on that's in your your colors because you're trying to add like 40 of them to your deck so something I else I I did notice art wise is that the nymphs are now they now have male nymphs. <laughs> yeah, there was there's a bunch of quote unquote controversy about like uh, whether or not things were supposed to be certain genders like having a male dryad or whatever. Like does it really matter? I had an English teacher who I showed a magic card to and this was way back in the day and it was Gosh, maybe it was a Mirage one. It was one where they they did a griffin, but they did the griffin as, like, different jungle cats mixed with, like, different birds. And the teacher was like, nope, that just, nope, that's not right. <laughs> they're they're uh, clearly taking the original idea and just, like, iterating on it and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was like this? Like, you know, the people who made those stories or made those ideas off of, like, dinosaur skeletons they found and didn't know what they were and just made a creature up. Like, I don't think they really care. <laughs> Is this, like, some offense against the great Gary Gygax and his right. conception of what a griffin was? I don't... <laughs> it is accurate that in Greek mythology, upon which 
Theros is is based and draws inspiration. Nymphs were and dryads and all that uh, were were f- female nature spirits. So I, I mean that's true. But what magic has to be beholden to the fever dreams of you know some Greek three thousand years ago, right? I kind of took it as a hey instead of having a cycle of five like basically naked starry colored female figures maybe we should mix it up a little bit <laughs> right exactly <laughs> it's, so, yeah, it's just more eventually interesting anytime you have a mix of things <laughs> and you know not to be all pedantic or something but having them all be female plays into the like oh let's have pretty pictures of right semi-naked female figures all the time and I, I have to say, when I think of the two that seem the most play relevant, it is the two that are the two that are male. The Dryad of the Elysian Grove is it lets you play extra lands, and all of your lands tap for any color of mana. And yeah. then the blue one is one. The Naiad of Hidden Coves is one of the many cards in this. I say many, like four cards in this set that rewards you for playing spells on your opponent's turn, which, which makes me be like, yes, Drago is back, baby. Right. <laughs> Because in my prior magic incarnation, as a more spiky sort of person, it was very much about the like, yeah, let's let's yeah counter spells, draw cards at the end of your turn, uh, and that and yeah, and that combined with some of the Eldraine stuff. I, it is interesting because uh, a lot of the Eldraine stuff, it was easier like draw. You drew your second card a turn. It was it triggered. It was easier to like trigger on your turn because you already drawn one card, but. I don't know, it might, it might sync up with some of this stuff. I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely does, but in the, there are things that kind of interplay, but don't they kind of each also work on their own, which is kind of nice, actually. I think I, I should add that, because I know you are all very concerned and interested in this, my nine-year-old's favorite art is Nylea's Intervention, where she's, like, sending all the dinosaurs and stuff charging at uh, Anahydra and... Are those dinosaurs? Those look like dinosaurs in there. Although that's, yeah, I guess they're coming enough. from. It seems they seem awful like dinosaurs. There's some non-dinosaur things, and like that's some sort of big hydra in the back. But uh, I guess Idyllic Tutor is my favorite. Although there are other cards that are just nifty for for flavor reasons, at least to me. That you know, beside art, like I, one of the things I liked about Theros in a ref- reflection of uh, you know in the the classical era Greek stuff is there's philosophy cards. So I'm like, look, it's a card of a philosopher. That's great. So in this one, we've got Eidolon of Philosophy in blue, and then you've got Staggering Insight, which is just like, that's right. I'm I'm just so brilliant, and I've blown your mind with my philosophical insight. It's great. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that after having done a whole set, a whole block of Thero stuff before, there's still being a reasonable number of recognizable Greek callouts in here. Oh yeah. Oh, there's a ton. There's a ton. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. I think my favorite one is the Narcissus, the Illyrios enraptured. Narcissus was the guy who is so beautiful and so into himself that he's walking along and he sees his own reflection and he can't do anything but stare at his own reflection, and then starves to death. So this this is a creature that when you bring it out, it creates a reflection token, and then your original creature stays tapped as long as the reflection is in play. And then when the reflection goes away, you can use it as normal. But it also seemed 
not bad because you basically get the three two reflection, and then when it dies, you get the two three creature. Yep, for three mana. Yeah, that, like on a blue card. <laughs> and I got Thassa with him in my sealed pool, so I just started flickering him, and making free three twos. <laughs> because the reflection is not legendary, whereas he is. Oh, that's right. Devotion is another mechanic that's back. Although there's not, it's not just on the gods and demigods, but it's no, that's the the it, most prominent place where it is. That's one of the things I was gonna say was it's kind of funny, right? Because they very clearly have these rules for like, okay, for a standard set, we only want X number of mechanics, right? And we're not gonna put any more than that in because we don't want to get get it to get. They don't want it to be too overwhelming for people who are newer, who are coming into Magic. But, you know, they still want to keep it pushed so that people who are interested in Magic long-term are going to have new cards that they're interested in. But it feels like some of them are really weird. Very specifically, right, Constellation is one of the things in this set. And it's just something that tells you, hey, if you play an enchantment, you need to, you know, pay attention to this because this has a trigger. Because they're all different. What they do with Constellation is not, uh, is not the same, right? And they've done that in the past. Yeah. One of the other things that's not a returning mechanic is Heroic. But they have, like, <laughs> three heroes in here. The th Three cards, literally, that have a hero in the name that actually have a Heroic mechanic. It's just not called out. And I th yes. think that's because that uh, technically allows them to be under their, like, mechanic thing. And I guess I get it because you don't want you know, you don't really want to hit that mechanic in. There's only, like, two or three cards of that in the set. But it still feels like, well, the mechanic's still in the set, isn't it? Like, you still printed a card that does this thing. There's five of them, and they all have, yes, like you said, they all have the word hero, and there's hero of the pride, hero of the winds, hero... There's, like, two white, two red, and one multicolor, which is probably white-red. Yes, it is. It is, yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they're all... Heroic was an ability word. They don't have the ability word. And they all have the exact same thing that happens when you target them. But I did notice that, too. The My notes say have heroic in quotes uh, <laughs> as a thing that's in the set. Well, and, and also, I mean, it's not exact. It definitely isn't exactly the same. But the two titans that come in and sacrifice themselves, Kroxa and Euro, they're kind of evoke. It's not exactly the same because you have to escape it to make it actually stick. But essentially, that's an evoke card. Which is kind of, kind of neat, but it's also kind of like you snuck another mechanic in there. They all play on themselves to some extent. They, I mean, we, the magic definitely does variants of this or that. They've pointed out things like kicker is like every mechanic, kind of. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a dozen mechanics that are all technically subcategories of kicker. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. The the titans are interesting. They're kind of weird <laughs> when you're you have to be like, no, no, no. It's not a six six for two. Child, it's a spell for two that later <laughs> you can escape as a 6-6. Six, six. Yep. Those do seem potent, and right, we are, we are not in the business of, or at least I'm not in the business of saying, like, what's actually good or not, but it seems the stuff that people are the highest on are the two titans, half the gods, like Heliod, Thassa, and Clothis, Nyx Bloom Ancient, because... People like getting, you know, triple mana. But like, wait a minute. We've had this Nissa Planeswalker who doubles the mana, and she's bunker good. This guy triples the mana. <laughs> Let's go for that. Right. Ashiok is, is quite good. The new Ashiok. The normal, I mean, the, the Planeswalker deck versions are, of course, bad, because that's what Planeswalker deck versions of Planeswalkers are for. 
But yeah, the Ashiok Nightmare Muse seems like the, I mean, definitely seems like the good Planeswalker of the sets. I think Elspeth will potentially be good. I think she's getting kind of pushed out a little bit, but I, like, I don't know. She she comes back and everything. That seems really good to me. The thing you have to be careful on on Elspeth, and I find myself doing this too, is the, like, you look at her and you see minus, 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 and you're like, oh, there's no plus. That stinks. She just dies. But she has escape. Well, and not only does she have escape, but the fact that a card is temporary or goes away does not mean it's it's bad. Right. And you'd think we would have learned a little bit from all of these uh, War of the Spark Planeswalkers, but it's just people, including me, have right of it. You know, I'm not immune to this. Have a tendency to fixate on drawbacks, and they can feel worse than they are mechanically. It's one of the reasons why you. I I mean, they have done it, but you basically I don't think the I don't know when the last time there was ever a negative mechanic on a magic card. Because if you have a mechanic that is a drawback, that might still be a very powerful card. It's cheap for what it does, but then it's got this drawback. But when you have a mechanic that's just a drawback, people look at it and it feels like a bummer. You don't get excited about it because it's just a... Phasing? Well, phasing was also bad. Uh, But yes, phasing phasing was complicated and bad. But the the one that I always that always sticks into my mind in this, and I'm going to show my age here, is Jazam Jin. Right now, Jazam, like, yeah. let me acknowledge, like, Jazam Jin would be a is a bad. It would I think it was a bad card in Modern Magic. Like, creatures are just so much better than they used to be. Well, they they actually color shifted it in Modern Horizons and made it a green card. It's literally Jazam Jin as an uncommon in green and unplayable. Yeah, but. Back in the day, as it were, like a 5 5 for 4 was unbelievably efficient, but it had the drawback of it dealt one damage to you every turn. And so people looked at it and went, Oh my God, this is terrible. (laughs) It deals a damage to me every turn. It was an amazingly good card, but it it was just very easy to lose that in the fact that there's a drawback. And so with Elspeth, I think on most circumstances, you're going to be wanting to aim for something like. Turn four, create two tokens. Turn five, create two tokens. And then turn six, boost them. And if you've hit all your mana and have gotten a bunch of your other stuff killed, which you probably haven't, you could then immediately escape her back in and make another two tokens. So you could flood the board relatively efficiently. I don't know. So maybe there's something. The one thing that I I think partially for me, the thing that made me wince was you get to the minus three and it's gain five life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The minus three ability is gain five life. Sometimes you want that, though. Like I, I know. Sometimes you want life gain, but why is that? The, I, <laughs> you know, it, it it's really weird because it does feel like they, maybe this is just me, but it, it feels like they were a little bit scared of pushing her too much because she has escape. Would be my guess because, like, it, she's not bad by any mean by any stretch of the imagination, but she definitely is like. For something that's on a timer, I would expect it to be fairly powerful, but it's like, oh, you're only going to get two or three uses out of it. Like you said, like most of the, or the Spark Planeswalkers are. But she does, it does feel like she should, like she's not quite getting enough value out of her ticks to necessarily make it worth it. And also, she's in a color white that doesn't really feel it, fill its graveyard that much, so it seems like the escape might be a little hard to, to do. Like, I, I want her to be good, though. Like, I, I like Elspeth as a character, and I think what she does is kind of neat, and it's kind of what they've given White to do. 
Make soldier tokens? Yay. Yeah. White weenie. That's, you know, they give them white weenie and, like, restriction and, like, the best and not creature removal. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all white gets. Well, Heliod is pretty good. Yes. Heliod seems good. I mean, green is still, I guess, technically supposed to be better. I don't know. You've seen a... a, a in my relatively limited magic chatter that I, I do, there's been a lot of, like, could we make white stink less? Could we yeah. maybe tone green down? Well, specifically green-blue. Can green just do everything now? I don't, uh... <laughs> when I've been talking to friends, one of the things I've been saying is that I think a big part of it is that they really need to take a step back and readjust the color pie. Because I think they had too many things bleed into different colors. I think they had too many things, like, like, white had a lot of mechanics in, like, the old sets that were just not fun, right? They tend to be the fun police. That was, like, their mechanic. A lot of times, that would be, you know, a good, powerful effect, like balance, right? Balance <laughs> seems like it's a symmetric card, but obviously, it's pretty easy to build a deck where you actually just get advantage off of that card. So, I think that's why a lot of white stuff kind of got phased out because it just wasn't fun. Some of it got phased out because it was too efficient, because who knows why they gave them swords to plowshears to begin with. <laughs> well, that was so long ago. I mean, oh uh, no, it, it is, it is. But you have to look at like historic and what they've had and whatnot. I think. Yeah, I mean, I know one of the things that people point to is, especially when you're shift over to like slower multiplayer, like commander or something like that. Where like, could you just let white draw cards too? Like everyone else can draw cards right. apparently, except white. Right. White always has to have some kind of condition, right? Because the only. Gosh, what? Their only card draw really is that enchantment Dawn of Hope, right? That every time you gain life, you can pay one to draw a card. That's like one of their only card draws that's not multicolor. It's like, why is white never drawing cards? It, it seems really strange. And I was like, I've been watching Amy the Amazonian, and her point was that black has been exiling a lot now. And her opinion, and I kind of agree with this, is that maybe that should shift back to white. Like, black can be good at destroying things, but white should be the color that's good at exiling things and, like, permanently removing them. That's all over the place in Theros, because, especially with Escape, there's a lot of graveyard-related stuff in this. I mean, like, you've got the Lamia that lets you tutor something up in your graveyard and that sort of thing. But then to go with that, there's a decent number of anti-graveyard things. There's, like, the white-black hound whose name I'm blanking on. Kuranos. That, like, stops anybody from, yeah, no casting out of graveyards, no creatures coming out of graveyards. Kunaros. But I think that a number of the black, like, common or uncommon removal spells that would normally be destroy target creature... Yeah. Exile it? Right? Isn't there isn't there an instant in this that's just, like, four exile target creature out of black? Yep. I think it's five, actually. The rare is four. <laughs> okay. That would, that would make sense. That's usually how it works. Because there's one that it also get, gets the Planeswalker to. Uh, that's Eat to Extinction, which is four. Final Death is five, and it's target creature. Eat to Death is four, and it's creature or Planeswalker. And you get to Surveil, but they didn't put it as Surveil. They just told you what Surveil does. <laughs> yeah, because Surveil is not a thing in this set. It is interesting that that's distinction. This is not universally true and maybe it was always true or always somewhat true and it just i just didn't note it as much but it, it feels like it's more the case than it used to be it's almost like like look commons are not constructed cards I'm, i mean like like if you want could look at constructed cards look at rares and there are still plenty of commons and uncommons yeah that can do constructed things but just my default is that like 
common and uncommon cards are for draft. And they're just not even designed on anything resembling the same scale as rares are, usually. I think it's the bulk of it, right? Because there are some commons that actually are good enough that they will see play. Yeah. Uh, and uh, definitely for that, for uncommons. But it, it's a much smaller scale of things that are, like, generally good for play. Whereas, opposed to rares, it's going to be, like, 50% of them. Whereas, with, like, commons and uncommons, it's, like, 20% of them are probably designed for, like, competitive play. And then poor, I'm just, you know, we're talking about white and the restrictions. Is there a reason why Calyx has green mana? No, it's really weird. Well, well, just, I guess, because uh, Clothis is red-green, and then she made a Planeswalker, and he's white-green. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure why the red-green god made a white-green Planeswalker, but I just don't know. The character seems very white. Yes. The concept of, I'm enforcing destiny or something... I'm not sure why that... Why is the god of destiny a red-green god? Anyhow. <laughs> well, it seems like Clothis maybe should be white-green, but red-green definitely fits the abilities they, they gave her better. Well, yeah, I mean, mechanically, but I mean, well, she she has to be red-green because that's pre-established in the story, right? Because back Xenagos, the planeswalker, had sort of taken her place right. or attempted to take her place, kind mm-hmm. of like Kiora had done with Thassa. But the card doesn't seem to have anything green about it. Just enchantments, that it likes dealing with enchantments, and Enchantress has always been a green card. Yes, and you've got the Satessan Enchantress, or whatever they call her, Mm -hmm. in this too, but green also has the anti-enchantment thing, but yeah, it's... So does white. I know, yes, but so does white, and returning all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, that's a white effect. Looking at the top four cards of your library and putting an enchantment into your hand... I mean, I guess you could say that's not white because white's not allowed to draw cards, but <laughs> right. I mean, that could be green, but it's, I mean, this could be a, oh no, that definitely is green. Green does a lot of that effect. Yeah. But why can't, isn't, why isn't that not a white thing? I mean, I don't know. Well, it's, it's part of the problem with not having white card draw, right? They just, they keep not giving it card or even card selection. They don't really give it card selection unless it's a dual color card. Well, and the minus three, that is totally a white effect. The minus three is a white effect. The minus seven is a white effect. I feel like he's he's green-white because they already had a mono-white Planeswalker. They must have had a slot. I bet that there was a slot. They have some chart, like they must have done extensively for War of the Spark, for like, what color combinations of Planeswalkers do we have? I bet right. there was like a hole at white-green. We need more white-green stuff. Right. So it's like Questing Beast from Eldraine. I was looking at it, I'm like, this thing is really weird. Not only because it just has infinite number of abilities, but also it's like, clearly, it's a three-headed beast, and they gave each head two abilities. But if you look at it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was probably originally supposed to be a Naya card, because there's like a keyword and an ability that kind of matches up with like each color. Because like Vigilance is white, and red is haste. Right, and kind of the same things with the others, but they clearly wanted to make it, I, I don't know, I guess like a pushed green card, so they only made it two green green. You see stuff like that all the time, where it's like, why is this like this? And it just has to be, well, they had the color chart, and they looked at it, and they're like, ah, close enough, which fair, which is fair. I mean, but that's also, like, you, you talked about, right earlier, about the color pie shifting, but they moved, like, Vigilance. Vigilance is secondary in green. Haste right. is secondary in green. So that actually... Yes. The conception of what green can do has it's it's gobbled up enough stuff that that is a green card, I guess. And right the 
if I hit you, I can hit your Planeswalker is a variant really on like the Thorn Elemental sort of ability. Even if I'm blocked, I can I can damage the creature. I mean, it's kind of a... Sure, but that that feels very red to me. And also the anti-fog ability. It's like green is the, the color of fog. So it, fog has always been green. So it's a little bit weird to me that it gets the anti-fog. <laughs> Stopping damage prevention is... That's a red ability yeah. still. But yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, but they printed it. And so that is something that people point to when they point to the like green just does everything well, now it, like as long as you put it on a creature it's okay uh <laughs> the big thing to me actually is as much as i like it i think paradise druid is a big indicator of like what they need to i think readjust in the color pie if it were up to me is that green not like i'm fine with green being a color that ramps potentially but what i don't like is that it gets access to all colors and i think this may just go back to birds of paradise from the very first set because birds of paradise could produce a, a mana of any color green i'm okay with it producing more green mana but i've kind of come to dislike the fact that it also gets color selection a lot of times where it's just like oh well if you play me then you can play any color so then green just kind of becomes the default color and that's kind of what happens in commander right because you need to get to big stuff soon so a lot of people play green because you can ramp and then you can also get fixing and i'm like that feels like it's a a little bit too much i think that needs to get like pulled back well that particular thing has also been there for a while i mean i remember like five cg five color green like that was a deck type back in the ancient dark ages but that was all a giant tangent in the middle of there are cards (laughs) that are based on ancient greece how did we do that so there's a lot of them the other the other one that i like i I don't know why just it tickles my fancy is the mirror shield yeah Part, yep. I, you know what? I think it's partially it's partially because I was explaining something about oh I think we were looking at one cards and I was explaining something about like Gorgons and Jason and stuff and then we ran into the cards like oh and here it is on the card. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, the like anti death touch grant that is fantastic. I really like Wings of Hubris, which is very clearly Icarus. Icarus himself was actually in uh, the original Theros block, right? Right. Also, I really like Hactos, the Achilles. <laughs> yeah, the that is a weird effect. I have protection from all converted mana costs except this one random one. Yep. Which which ankle was my mother holding me by when she dipped me? <laughs> well, and the card effect reminder in Arena is a little foot with a, a arrow through it. <laughs> <laughs> that is is good. Let's see. So what for whatever little flavory reasons? Let's see. I like. Whirlwind Denial. This is the one that like can potentially counter every spell or ability on the stack. Never mind whatever the you know mechanical effects of that are. It's got the picture of the person like swirling around like they're doing a bunch of different things in bullet time. But then the flavor text is no, no, and no. <laughs> yeah, it, not only is it good art and flavor text, it also is like really good ability, because if you didn't like Hydroid Creases, this is the card for you. <laughs> yeah, because it, it can counter the spell and the triggered ability on the stack, yeah. Because it's the big thing with Hydroid Creases, right? It's like, even if they counter the spell, you still get the triggered ability. Or if they counter the triggered ability, you probably still have a pretty big flying trample creature. This is just like, nope, we're just going to stop that at regular price for one card, and not even double blue. Uh, yeah, well, and that's the most prominent one, but there are several cards floating around... Uh, in standard, I think that have when you cast this triggers. 
I don't know what the chances are that it can accomplish anything because it costs three and I don't know anything about old formats. But I also, it occurred to me that Whirlwind Denial is also another anti storm <laughs> effect. It is. To go along with your stifle. It, or it also can stop the Titan triggers, although I don't know how much you really care about that because you could also just counter the cards and none of the triggers would happen either. It, yeah, because those are. Those are enters play or attack triggers, yeah. Yeah, well, so that's that's what's really nice about the the card design, right? Is it's relevant, although maybe a bit more neat. Well, I guess it's kind of more niche generally. Although having a three mana, you have to pay four. They literally just made this in convolute, didn't they? Like this is basically just a better convolute. Yeah, this is just convolute but better. Yes. Yeah, and it's uncommon, so they didn't even like rare this up. But it's still just generally like convolute is. A very playable card for the most part, because four mana is a lot of mana. Yeah, usually Convolute is just counter target spell. Right. And this is counter a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, well and, and even if it just did one, the switch to spells or abil- spells or abilities is pretty handy and just doing all of them is yeah, it's a it's a nice card from a mechanical perspective, but I really like the flavor. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just a complete win. It's a very, very nice card. Yeah, you know, what else do I like? It's just a goofy kill spell basically, but inevitable end. It's kind of a bad kill spell, honestly, but I like the flavor concept of the card. You enchant a creature, and every upkeep they have to sacrifice a creature, and so inevitably, this creature is going to die, and the flavor text is basically about, like, you know, how long are you going to make this go on, or... It's very good, not only good, because, like, action mechanically, I like doing that, because people will make bad choices and, like, sacrifice other things to keep their one thing around. But also, like, that just feels very Greek. Like, like, very Greek story or whatever, right? Like, accept your fate or you're going to cause suffering to the people around you. Let's see. I like flummoxed Cyclops, partially because yeah. flummoxed is a great word. But I just love the the whole, like, yes, it's it's so confused <laughs> that it can't figure out what to do if there's multiple things to bl- it could block. <laughs> That's, I like that. I like Impending Doom, which is the <laughs> Doom of Damocles. I don't know that it really makes much sense. I just kind of like that it got referenced. <laughs> yes, yes. There's the the Sword of Damocles. My, uh, my nine-year-old, he looked at that, and he's like, why doesn't he just move? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Yes, why it's is he good standing question. there on the sword? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a bit corny, but escape velocity. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's called escape velocity. It's got escape. He's got the not even death can catch me. Now. <laughs> well, and velocity is what they've been calling set cards that give things haste. Ah, you know, and also just his look, the look on his face where like uh, where he clearly is not ready to be running this fast. <laughs> but here he's I just go. Like, oh god! You can tell he's enchanted because his feet are glowing with stars. Ah, yeah. Well, and also the fire kind of going out after his feet. I've got a few ones that I found mechanically interesting, but, you know, who really cares about that? Anything else stand out? There's a a number of things I really like about this set. It's specifically, like, they had more choose cards. Like, all the interventions are choose cards, and and those are really nice. It's just nice to have a choice, even if it's not maybe, like, always going to be super relevant which one you choose, or you choose the same one 80 to 90% of the time. It's just nice to, like, be able to make a decision that's not too hard. There's the uh, Irreverent Revelers, which is this tier that for three mana at 2-2, it lets you either destroy a target artifact, or it gains haste until end of turn. 
that's just kind of a cool design, right? Like, what do you kind of need? Do you need a hasty attacker, or do you need to blow up an artifact? Also, I really like the omens. The omen cycle is really, really cool, because having a flash enchantment is really neat. They kind of did this with cartouches before, but these just feel a lot better, because almost all of them are at least a little bit relevant. The sacking them to be able to scry later is a really nice effect. And they also help with Devotion if you want to actually build up with Devotion. And they play with all the enchantment synergies. And I just so happened to pick up a, uh, an Estrid the Masked deck at a Target, because it was randomly on the shelf, which is obviously the enchantment deck. So, like, I was going through Theros, and I'm like, oh, well, half of my deck is now just going to be the set. Because, <laughs> like, the Satessan Champion is maybe one of the best enchantresses they've ever put out. Because getting a plus one, plus one counter and drawing a card is incredibly good. It's just it's just really, really good. And the amount of tutors, the fact that they reprinted Idyllic Tutor. It's like, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff I'm going to be putting just like straight into that deck. Well, and even Thirst for Knowledge. Thirst for Knowledge, which is like Thirst for uh, Ideas? The, the artifact one, instead they give it like an enchantment one. I'm like, yes, this is really cool. Like, I, I really like a lot of the cycles that they complete. So, I like the design of a lot of this stuff. Everything feels, like, nice and powerful, but not, like, too... Nothing really feels super pushed to me. There definitely doesn't seem to be anything that's, like, very obviously a problem that I've seen. And also, just as my last thing, I really like Atris Oracle of Half-Truths. That card is is great because it comes in and it gives you a mini factor fiction because it's three cards, but your opponent has to turn one of the stacks face up, and so it, it's just a, like a really nice mechanic. It's really fun and kind of interactive for both people. I've been playing it a bunch on Arena, and people keep trying to get me, and I I've gotten it like ninety percent of the time. There was a time where I had like a real like it was like a real card versus two face down cards. I took to the two face down cards and they were lands, and I was happy because lands was actually what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Atris is like a really cool card design and pretty indicative of the set of like it's a good ability and you get a good body to go along with it. At the same point, it really does not feel overly powered at all. So, and it's just stuff you haven't seen in Magic before, and it's like. For as long as this game has been around, it seems like it, you'd eventually run out of things to do. But they just keep making cool stuff. Even though it's like, you know, a lot of times it's just remixes of stuff they've done before. That seems fine when it's something like that. Yeah, another a very different sort of choice thing is the lore of the unknown. Which is like five, draw five, sort of. Just not bad. Also, oh, yeah. should look absolutely fabulous foil. Yes. But the uh, you mentioned thirst for meeting, but yeah, which is a thirst for knowledge. I think was the artifact one. Yeah, 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 thirst yeah. for meeting is the enchantment one, and that I'm like that's really good, and it's an instant. I think yep. it's fair to say that instant card draw is back. Yep. Basically, you have thirst for meeting, but you also I'm not sure how I feel about all of the interventions, but Thassa's intervention is either for four is either. It's either a weak counterspell or, like, an instant speed draw two. I don't know that it's that weak. I can just flat-out counter-target spell for three. So if I only counter-target spell for four, that's relatively weak for a counterspell. But it's a modal eh. card, so that's, you know, how it works. Right, right. But, I mean, I, I can either, if you cast a thing that's worth countering, I can counter it. Or I can just use the draw two cards. Or more, I mean, if it's later. But the place where you'd actually 
start casting it is is when you're at four. But again, then that's that seems like a solid thirst for meaning seems better, but thirst for meaning is really good. Yes. It feels like there hasn't been an instant speed card draw that was that handy, but it fits into the like, yeah, I'm gonna do stuff on your turn because well, I mean, it, the jumpstart cards are the ones that people were playing. People are still playing those cards. Like, I mean, p- people typically didn't do the uh, the one mana one because it's basically card disadvantage and then still just cycling. Yeah. But people definitely played Chemister's Insight because it is just card advantage and, and pretty good cycling and four mana lets you draw two lets you draw two cards, but it's costing you a card both times. Yeah, you are allowed. You've been allowed to have draw two for four and that's all that thassa's is if you're casting it at four but i guess thassa's intervention feels like it has more upside than chemistry's insight but maybe that's just me well and also on the at the instant speed card draw her omen it's an omen of the sea i think yeah i think it's omen of the sea yeah um, omen of the sea two mana scry to then draw a card it's actually pretty good especially when you get to pay three to then scry two again later I put this in the deck and like, sure, it's not as good as the other card draw. It's still pretty good. Oh, and the thing that people started, oh, one person was playing against me on Arena, too, as far as like instant card draw is Into the Story, which is the one that's blue, blue, five and draw four cards. But it's reduced by three if your opponent has seven cards in their discard pile. Uh-huh. If you can get cards in your opponent's discard pile, that's pretty good. Five mana draw four. <laughs> instant speed. That works out once you've hit reverse threshold or whatever yeah. we call that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, but to your point, it's, it definitely seems like it's back. Yeah. All right. So that is our thoughts on Theros Beyond Death, the Magic the Gathering set that is, as we're recording this, having its pre-release weekend. So the, what, the 24th is the official release date for this stuff? I think so. Yeah. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you could go to any of those places, but especially iTunes, and leave us a rating or review, that would be great. It helps people find the show. You can also find us at the usual social media places. We're Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can also reach out to me directly. I am Chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments, thoughts, and feedback. But until then, for Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.